Hi, everybody, and welcome to this week's uh, episode of Back to Basics. If you're one of those fancy folk who pays attention to the title card, you may have noticed it's got a different name and no chapter assignment today. That's because we're doing something a little weird. Ooh. However, if you're listening on the podcast, you probably didn't notice a damn thing. So in just a minute, I'm going to tell you what we're all about. But as per usual, I continue to be Pastor Don, despite all attempts to the contrary. And joining me is the lovely, the wonderful, the inimitable Courtney Fraley. Howdy. Howdy. I'm watching a lot of Teen Titans go lately. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, it's a thing. So today, um, I know we guys, we told you guys in the last episode that we're gearing up to tackle Genesis 15. Uh, but as you may have noticed from the fact that there wasn't actually an episode last week, there was a, a break there. Uh, we kind of ran into uh, what could fairly be described as a scheduling kerfluffle, or more accurately described as complete scheduling collapse. I prefer uh, trash fire. Trash fire, dumpster fire would also be appropriate. Um, we would also accept. Um, <coughs> there will be a bit of that. Given I'm... to Alex Trebek on Jeopardy, provided it, provided it was given by Sean Connery and done in Celebrity Jeopardy on SNL. Any of those would be accurate. So right now, today, we're going to actually have a little bit of an interlude here in our biblical analysis, because if you're anything like the two of us, it's really easy for you to get locked into the idea of we must keep doing. And mm -hmm. I got to tell you, I, I, I was speaking of dumpster fires. I was up late last night uh, having a bit of a dumpster fire myself because I am under the weather myself at the moment. Um, like, so it's easy for us to, to feel like we have to keep doing the thing. Um, and Courtney, I know you were sick earlier as well. Um, yeah, with Schrodinger's COVID, uh, depending on when I tested, I'm, I am like 95% sure that I finally caught COVID after all this time. But uh, the timing of the testing and everything like that, I got one maybe and two, no, no, that was I'm pretty sure that was COVID. Reliable testing at its finest. Go American medical system. So, you know, we've had, we've had that going on. There's also been behind the scenes, for those of you who don't know what's going on at Unfinished, which honestly isn't everybody, um, we're currently mutating into a brand new experimental sort of church, which uh, for those of you unfamiliar with how churches work, is a long and exhausting process. It requires a lot of document writing, a lot of meetings with people, a lot of negotiating things, a lot of planning, a lot of scheming before you can take half a step forward. And this last week for our community has involved quite a lot of that as well. So the end result has been that both this program and our other program have missed an episode this last week. Yeah. Um, because we just plain didn't have time. And, you know, we probably, if we're being honest, we could have probably pushed ourselves and ground out some content for the hungry, gaping maw of the internet. I mean, if everybody wanted to be to, is to see me snark with a must with a uh, tissue walrus in, sure. <laughs> that would have been amusing. <laughs> I, I I don't want that on the internet. <laughs> yeah, so we could we I mean we could have like we we could have ground it. We could have taken the time and done it, but we made a conscious decision, honestly, with both programs to say, you know what? No, we're just not going to do it. And what's more, we're not going to really explain it either. Um, and so today, what we're going to talk about, just as a simple back and forth for a little bit, 
is a discussion of why that is from a Christian kind of ethos. And like, why do we do that? Why do we all kind of feel like we have to keep producing? You see this, like, I know with the two of us who've been producing this stuff for you guys for a while now, you see this with people who volunteer at churches all the time. And you see this with churches in what they tell their volunteers that faith is measured by how you give back to the church and give back to the community. And if you're not producing for others, then what the hell even are you doing? Um, and that's not right either. So before I get into the uh, wonderful mode that I have, which is to just talk for 30 straight minutes while Courtney kind of glares at me, <laughs> because that is an occupational hazard, hazard of being a pastor. I'm not glaring at you. I'm just getting dendo glasses from wearing glasses while using a laptop. Which I think is kind of amusing in and of itself. I want to, to kick it over, over to you as the, the kind of designate lay person to talk a little bit about like what experiences have you had with kind of forced productivity in the church? Because spoiler alert, capitalism and forced productivity mindsets are not Christian in nature. So like, wh where do you come from with that sort of mentality? I, I don't feel like I've caught it from the church so much as I've just caught it from the culture, which in America, they're kind of inextricably tied, like mm -hmm. the people crowing about how America is a Christian nation have it right in one respect, and that's that Christianity has had a extremely heavy influence mm -hmm. uh, on uh, Christianity as it's practiced here has had an extremely heavy influence on how we sort of behave as a culture and our expectations and values and such. Um, and in, a, in some cases, I really don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. It's just more the, the way that like, as, as the church has evolved, some of it's, or failed to evolve, devolved maybe, like some of it's, I mean, we've, we've talked about that stuff at length, but yeah. like, so I grew up in like, in a home where like my mom was a reasonable age for how old I am and my dad was not <laughs> he had 20 years on her so like he had ideas about work ethic and stuff like that that were pretty old school and um yeah meanwhile I have ADHD which comes with a nice heaping helping of executive dysfunction so sometimes it's like no I just I, I just can't I can't do the thing I can't make myself do the thing I, I don't know how to explain it to you because of course I didn't understand that when I'm like a kid I don't understand that that's like what's going on so I have a weird complicated relationship with the concept of productivity being required as a measure of like value judgment um I had to have a therapist actually my therapist you don't have to take it sounds like you really don't like it and i'm like but but i can i can take commissioned work and it's productive and it makes money and i'm expected to right no i can just work shows or you know whatever um yeah, yeah, yeah. the idea that we've constantly got to be being productive it, it robs you of your uh your ability to relax when you have downtime too i found and like we talk about how, how like your dad's era culture was old school in their productivity assessments, but let's be, let's be clear, things have only actually gotten worse uh, recently because like in your, in your dad's generation, people could work uh, one job hard uh, 
and be okay. But nowadays you need mother and father and child labor all kind of kicking into gear just to keep yourself off the bread line. Well, I'm talking about like his old school uh, work ethic too. Like there's weird effed up things about it too. Like uh, stuff that made the work easier. My dad always seemed to view as like a lazy thing, which mm-hmm. is extremely strange from a man who worked in a factory that made machines to make parts to build other machines and stuff. I'm like, yeah, that's, that's a little odd, mm-hmm. but uh, yeah. And I, I, it sounds like I'm slagging on my father. Not, not really. No, it's no, just. No we're all we're all people and we all have our different influences coming from different right. areas right um so yeah just no and I had somewhere else i was going with that but like i said all of the add and i've had i've had it a long day <laughs> i would we all had a collection of long days and i think you know i've said before that productivity is a the productivity mindset is is a function of capitalism and not of Christianity. One of the things I have heard just so much in Christian circles, particularly in evangelical Christian circles, is the idea that we were made to be productive. That the primary goal of a human as created was to do things, to create things, to have dominion over the world, to build, to change, to shape, uh, and to work constantly. Um, and I raised two points to that theologically. First, um, and this is, I think, a pretty simple, straightforward question. Uh, if we were meant to be primarily productive creatures, why were we made buck naked in a garden where everything was taken care of? Like, why was that the starting point? Because that doesn't seem like a, a, a environment that encourages productivity so much as what we now know apex predators in the food chain are kind of designed to be, which is people who will do what they needed to get by and then spend the entire rest of the day lazing about. Yeah, lions do a lot of sleeping. <laughs> yeah, and um, my nickname being the bear, uh, let me tell you about how often bears sleep, like for a chunk of the year. How often does any cat predator species sleep? As often as they can manage. Exactly. <laughs> And it's not just sleeping too, because if you look at everything else in the in the entire animal kingdom, it's they work when they need to, and they spend the rest of the time sleeping, but they also spend the time having sex, they spend the time being social, they spend the time playing games. And here's where it gets funny. If you start going back pre-industrial revolution, humans were the same way. Yeah. We have actually more relatively speaking, temporally, recently changed how we work and how we behave this kind of productivity mindset when we started trying to act like the machines we were building. Yeah. Well, I mean, you can even go back to, and I know this is one of those deconstructed hot takes or whatever, like people will say, you know, oh, well, medieval serfs actually worked less than, than we do now, which on a level is true. Mm. When they worked more, it was because they had to work for the people who like ruled them to give them a big portion of what they were making. When people in that lifestyle just had to take care of their families and stuff and their community, way so much less work. And you hit on what I think is the abundant focal center of what I think we need to be talking about here is when people are doing it for themselves and the work that God's put in front of them, it's not that hard. When people yeah. are doing it because they're under the control of other people, 
that's when it gets hard. Now we see this, like the first mistake we make historically, as you mentioned, is seeing say medieval serfdom as kind of a uniform status across the planet. Like there were all sorts of historical, social, cultural, environmental, regional variations and factors in that. Some people worked for uh, feudal systems. Other people just lived on their own in a house in the countryside, grew their own crops out back and then smoked wherever they could grow and just kind of chill. Um, which- Hobbits. That, yeah, hobbits, like- Hobbits had shit figured out. Setting aside, I know that's Tolkien. I know that's yeah. I know everything on real life, but I I could I could go off about how uh, Tolkien might have vociferously denied that uh, his work was in any way allegorical. But sorry, sometimes we're blind to ourselves, and there is a ridiculous amount of statement about how the world is and how the world should be in Tolkien. And I think it's pretty evident that the people who are living their best lives in Lord of the Rings and sort of in the most harmony with the world that they're in with each other is the hobbits. Yeah. The one, the ones who have like two jo- jobs, like mail carrier, you could be like farmer's market. Maybe you serve beer, you know, right. <laughs> like, and Take care of your family, have a bunch of little furry-footed kids. And- yeah. There's a piece to that that we miss, is that if you look at um, hobbitology, the, the field of the study of hobbits, if you will, because um, that's clearly a thing. Um, the community structure described for the, for the hobbits is one of, well, community. They're not exporting. They're, they don't have an arms industry. There's no consumer technology. They do export pipeweed. True. Um, but mostly because they grow more of them than they eat. And it's like, they're not going out of their way to build an industry. And it's something they can put minimal effort into and get maximal profit back from. It's yeah. like, like well, we already have more this. of it. Send some of it out. Well, think of the mentality. We already have this. So if you want to give me some money for that, great. Like, I'm not doing anything else with it. It's a, otherwise it's going to sit yeah. in the storehouse and we'll grow more. That's more, that's more shit, you know, trading for yeah. what you. Yeah. It's, it's not export. It's a simple way of dealing with excess. Now, yeah. The problem is, is that in the modern era, we have started getting away from how do we shape our community and support our community and make sure that the people within that community are all living the best possible life. And we've gotten to this idea of industry as the defining fact. Well, we want more. One of the best examples I, I've ever, ever seen of this shift in mindset is how do we measure the success of a corporation in America? How much money it makes? No. Specifically how much money it makes over last year? Exactly. The percentage of growth over previous year. Now this has been talked about by economists forever that it's a non-sustainable model that a company is considered failing if it maintains or loses from year to, from one year to the other. Um, that a period of loss is considered a major failure because like, that's life though. Yeah. Constant productivity <laughs> and constant growth is the hallmark of exactly one thing. Uh, well, more or less one, one or two things in all of the, the animal kingdom, viruses, bacteria, and cancers. Like those are things that define themselves by constant unyielding and unending growth. That is their goal and purpose in life. That's not what we were built to model 
You know, it's it's ironic. This entire conversation is making me, th- and this may shock you, is making me think of a good, like, Christian rock song. Oh, wow. Um, are you familiar at all? Are you familiar at all with Switchfoot? I used to be. It's been a long time since. There, it was one that got like radio play on regular stations because it's like, yeah, this is a freaking jam. Uh, it was called Meant to Live. Yeah, yeah, um, I remember that one. Yeah. You know, we were meant to live for so much more if we lost ourselves. We want more than the wars of our fathers. Lyrics like that. I mean, like. Yeah. 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 <laughs> This is not what we're here for. And I mean, there's little secular tidbits that can be thrown in there too. There's an old meme that's wise old internet internet meme once say, uh, you exist for more than paying bills and losing weight. Yeah. I mean, one thing like we, we lose, we lose sight of what we are meant to be when we start wrapping ourselves in what we think we should be like well and i think it hurts because capitalism has been wrapped up in the like faux veil of modern american christianity to where it's been like enshrined as part of <sighs> look we've talked we've talked before about you know the the shift in the uh 60s through the late 80s where they tried to make uh, cultic Christianity representative of the whole Christianity so they could politically manipulate it. Like, we all know how that worked. Very well. Yeah, very well, because as I have said to many people before, you know, your Osteens and your Franklin Grahams and your what-have-yous and your Liberty Universities and your anything Trump-adjacent, uh, it, it is not wrong to say that that is not Christianity. Yeah. It is, like, it. I mean, it's it's not, that's not... Like, I will make value judgments on that belief system, but in and of itself. Well, that's not even value judgments. That's a words exactly. things yeah. situation. Like, like uh, a Christian point, is someone like, who follows Jesus, someone who, like, worships productivity and capitalism mm-hmm. over, you know, loving their fellow man and their community. That's yeah. not, that's not following what Jesus said. Like, I, I feel like oddly enough, these are the people who were like, well, you can't, you can't tell me that, you know, you can't dictate whether or not I'm, I'm Christian and you can't di- dictate my spirituality. Yeah, no, it's I like can't. on a certain <laughs> level, uh, no, but again, words mean things. Yeah. And, and Christian and again, means follower of Jesus Christ. Look, I'm going to shameless plug time here. If you're on the podcast channel for this, and if you're not, you should be, uh, you really would. There's more there than just these two series. Uh, if you go back for a way, there was a sermon I did right about a year ago called Useless, where I spent a while talking about C.S. Lewis's introduction to the book Mere Christianity, where he talks about the term gentleman um, and how for a time in England, gentleman was not a word that had a value judgment assigned to it. It meant a person who meets these particular social requisites. He owns land. Uh, he has a title assigned to him. Uh, some, some of that, I'm not an English gentry specialist. I don't remember what the actual terms were. Um, but like as specific measurable attributes. And after a time, people started talking about, well, gentlemen is actually a state of internal chivalry uh, and no one can really assess that. And while there may have been that component to the original definition of the term, by making it solely about that, there was no way to define what it meant. And calling someone not a gentleman then became an insult rather than simply saying, nah, man, you don't have a house. Um, 
like you you, you don't have a well, man that's that's evolution of language at the same time like i rec- i also recognize you know words mean things but work language is a living thing that is constantly breathing and changing and evolving and right uh, Which, adapting um, on the one hand, like the evolution of the term gentleman makes sense 50 years down the line when the concept of a landed gentry wasn't really a thing anymore. Um, so, you know, migrating that in that way, all right, like it was a bit ahead of its time. The motion was a bit ahead of its time, but it's, you know, it's a little confused, but he got the spirit. Um, but we, have, we witnessed the same thing happening with Christian in the last hundred years. 200 years or so at what point do, at what point do you give up the battle on it i wouldn't like some battles are worth fighting personally because the thing about it is is like to be a christian is to be a follower of jesus one who ascribes to the teachings of jesus christ and that which is described in the bible in the most general sense and hey fun fact for those of you who haven't uh listened to me rant on this before uh, the Bible does give us very specific measurable attributes to determine who is and is not following the word of God and functioning as a Christian. Um, there's a couple different places. The biggest one is the, uh, the fruits of the spirit, for example, if you've read up on that one. Uh, that's one of the nice, most concise lists of uh, what is expected of, of us to be Christian. Boil it down even further. You get like uh, back in uh, Micah chapter six. Uh, what does the Lord ask of you but to do justice, love, kindness, and walk humbly with God? Like, even those just three things. Like, there are a number of different places where there are measurable attributes uh, that are given to us to say that do these things and thou art a Christian. Uh, do not do those things. I don't know what the hell you are, but call yourself what you like, but you're not this thing. Yeah. Uh, and unlike gentlemen, which stopped being like a functional social institution. So the migration of that word later down the line makes sense. Uh, the Christian church, I, I don't mean to break it to you. Uh, it's still here. Yeah. I mean, don't let American Christianity and its collapse fool you. We still round y'all. Um, and let, let me tell We're you. We're trying. I just got out of a meeting with the uh, Reverend Classis of New Brunswick, which is my uh, regional body of pastors to which I am you know, connected. And let me tell you, lots of pastors, lots of churches. It was a full on Zoom room. Like we, we were packed to the walls, so to figuratively speak. Um, th- there is still a church here. And uh, I have a book of church order and membership class information that states quite clearly that in order to be a member, you believe this, you act in this way. Uh, that's who we are. We identify ourselves by these attributes. So there's nothing wrong with saying, yeah, uh, that, you know, carrying around an AK-47 threatening to shoot up anyone you don't like or in a bright red hat that says Trump is my God. Um, yeah, I don't know what that is, but definitely- You're mad this it. week. Huh? You're mad this week. I'm mad every week. I just hide it better. That's part of the reason I left the country. It's my secret captain. I'm always yeah. angry. Exactly. <laughs> I, I guess that, that would make me the incredible sulk because I left the country. <laughs> the incredible sulk. Ooh. Amazing. Like, and then we can we can take that like. You know, the argument of whether you can call certain people and practices Christian is one thing, but to bring it back to what we're talking about, let's get fundamental with this shit for a minute. Um, the first thing God did, create, 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 
on the brakes. Take Rest. a look. Like moderating production is something what God does. And I don't know if you know this, but God is one God. God is God. And if the big dude slash non-binary being in the sky above the linguistic words don't work so well when you're talking about God. Anyway, if if the 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 divine the, the divine, yes, we'll go with that. If the, if the divine being on top of all things feels that rest is a necessary component of their behavioral process. What about the monkeys what which said divinity created? Like, I don't know about you, but I've been a parent for 11 years just about here. I don't have the energy to not rest most of the time whenever I can. I struggle to find the energy to do anything but rest some days. Right. I, which, which, which kind of brings us around to the concept of the Sabbath too yeah. i mean that that's that's one of the ten commandments and it's one that i've really wanted to pick your brain about a while because does this mean a specific day and we need to all agree on which day it is once a week that we all just relax and nobody does anything or is it basically saying hey you have to make sure you carve out time that isn't work and time that's spent reflecting there are multiple perspectives on this, as is evidenced by the existence Shock. of Hasidic How many denominations are there? <laughs> yeah. And keep in mind, if you're talking about it from the perspective of Genesis or the Ten Commandments or something like that, we're not just talking about Christians here. The Jews have the same belief system here as well. Um, like these are central practices to both our religions and any offshoot religions thereof. So this is not something central to just us. So, you know, the existence of multiple denominations, the existence of Orthodox and Hasidic Jews, like all of these tell us that there are different ways to take it. But I think the key thing to notice is that what is debated amongst pretty much every theological branch in both faiths that I know of, what is debated isn't should we or should we not rest? It is to what degree should we rest? And I think that is a hugely important distinction to start with. I don't know of anybody who disagrees with the concept that God's commandment is that humans should not be constantly productive. Uh, it's, I, I've yet to run into it, other than- No shalt take regular breaks is definitely part of that. Yeah, um, the, the occupational self, the occupational uh, health and safety administration extends all the way to the divine kingdom. Um, One of these days I'm gonna get you to roll your eyes so hard that you fall right back off that couch. I will do it. Um, no, it's, it's, a, it's a chase. It's not, not going anywhere. Challenge accepted. Anyway, um, so like that is a piece. Now, how do we interpret that? Like in Genesis, it was pointed out as a thing that even God does. In the 10 commandments, we're given it as an explicit command. Uh, but as Christians, we move beyond mere legalism. So we don't have to, like honor this specific Sabbath day and keep it holy in that particular way by doing absolutely nothing, including touching buttons on the elevator. So we have to ask the hospital to make a separate elevator that just goes up and down so we can step into it and never touch buttons. That is not where we need to be. And yes, that's a thing. Is that a thing? That is a thing. Um, where? In hospitals. Well, I'm not kidding. Like I worked at a, at a hospital in, uh, in New Jersey uh, as a chaplain for a while. 
And one of the things we had to do every Friday night was turn on Sabbath mode on one of the elevators so the Hasidic Jews could go up to the top floors without touching buttons. And so on the Sabbath, there would be a single elevator that would just go up every floor and stop and then come back down every floor and stop and just repeat until the Sabbath was over so they could get in, wait patiently and get out on the right floor without having ever had to actually touch a button and therefore engage in mechanical action that could be defined as work. Um, I'm reminded of an old Twitter thread involving owning a dragon and lighting candles, but we'll we'll pass on that. Yeah, <laughs> the internet deep dive for another day. But like that shows the kind of legalism that it is possible to engage in. And I'm not gonna, I'm not going to critique the views of Hasidic Jews. A, a white Christian pastor doing that is just a bad no, thing. No, right? it's you know, not our place. That's where they're at with the law. More, more power to it. Um, as Christians, in our belief structure we hold that <clears throat> the kind of letter of the law thinking isn't necessary. Um, but God does at least give us that one day minimum is like the least you can do. Yeah. Uh, but if you look at, and I'm not going to cite Chapman verse here because you know me and having memorized stuff, I'm terrible at it. Not um, your strong point. Not my no. strong point. But if you do like start with the book of Acts and start going through Acts and Romans and epistles and all of that, you start to see a through line that is based on communities of mutual aid and support. It's where we get the, the um, admittedly reductivist argument that the early uh, Christians were the first communists. Um, because, I mean, yes, it's a reductive argument because communism is a, as an economic system didn't exist yet, uh, which is the same argument I've seen uh, people put out when people say that Jesus was anti-capitalist. Well, he can't have been anti-capitalist because capitalism hadn't been invented yet. So, uh -huh. well, yes, but um, using that same that same kind of admittedly reductivist position, we see these communities rising up whose primary goal isn't to grow. Um, and this is this is something I really, really, really love to talk about because your evangelicals get on their high horse about how. The primary goal of the early church was to expand. No, it was not. There's a difference between grow and nurture. Yes. And that's the thing that is often missed <clears throat> in, our, in our society today is the difference between growing and nurturing. The early church grew not because they were doing the, let me go to every town and street preach until everybody hears the gospel. Like that wasn't a thing they were doing. They were going to places, gathering people together who believed, um, teaching people who didn't believe. Uh, they, but they weren't just going out proselytizing constantly and just trying to force convert people on a one-to-one -one basis. They were gathering together people in community saying, we are Christian, we live like this. We all come together for the mutual benefit and sustenance of each other. We yeah. have a larger belief system that's, around that, that encapsulates that, sits at the core of that. But where we're starting from is that we are together. We are a community and we want all of us to prosper. And this has all been 35 minutes, I'm gonna guess, of us ranting about, this is why we didn't make a video last week. Um, <laughs> <laughs> because like, you needed a day off. I needed a day off. And I didn't just need a day off. I was sick for two weeks. Exactly. <laughs> like, and you needed to be able to be sick. Yeah. And that's like, 
we see infirmity, sickness, exhaustion, or God help you, mental unwellness. Burnout. Burnout. We see these as moral failings in our kind of Christian nationalist slash Christo-fascist society that we started to grow. (laughs) Yes, I'm throwing out those words, fight me. you know, notice uh, he's like, meanwhile, he's like kind of sick while he's, he's talking over all this stuff. Do as I say, not as I do. <laughs> well, the, the point is you get to choose. Yeah, exactly. Like, there should be some choice involved. You know, and, you know, for me, like, I don't have anything else today. I have other stuff I should do, but I'm not going to do it. I'm, I'm sitting for this recording because I think this is something we need to talk about that. I kind of need to talk about, but also like I've cleared my schedule for the rest of the day. I'm not doing shit. I'm done for today, man. Is it nap time after this? Probably. It's either nap time or relaxing ride on my motorcycle time. I've decided, but it's something not work time. That's for sure. (sighs) Are you? I just want to relax with my plants, and I've got plant emergencies to deal with now because i haven't had time to take care, time or energy to take care of my freaking plants that's 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 well, neither here nor there you know i believe but, i believe it was the um the well well noted early church philosopher uh tiberius uh who said let them die oh wait no james tiberius kirk that was the one um <laughs> I'm not letting my plants die. I, I love my plants. I'm being ridiculous on multiple levels. Have you met me? So, yeah, like that's that's the landing point here is, you know, yeah, we took a week off. What of it? Um, <laughs> sometimes people just need to rest. And including you, person yeah. who's listening to this and is like, but I've got too much going. It just you still mm-hmm. carve out some time breathe yeah. and let your let yourself actually relax the art of compromising and this is something i, I want to talk about too, the art of compromising our social expectations so that we can have a balance between rest and effort is important um so to that parent who may be listening thinking i've got to do a million different things to keep my kids entertained and well supported and grown i'm going to say this and i'm going to say it directly into the camera put those little monsters in front of the tv for a few hours I'm dead serious. Is it the most healthy choice? Nope. Not for them. Is it for you? Yep. Like, you got to find these moments of compromise. You really do. And the thing is, sometimes there is too much. We live in a capitalist hellscape, and we have to negotiate that environment. And there's no getting around that. Like, if you completely decide, you know what, I'm done working now. Well, you're not going to have money to survive, and that's not what God wants either. I, you, you do have something. Have- something. We live in a society. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, this is part of why I believe, <coughs> particularly as we witness the the collapse of the American system of government, um, the churches need to be ready to be communes. Like that's going to be something we're going to need to be doing in the future. But I think Good we luck. can. I think we can and should start looking at that now. I remember. I remember you got got a lot of you got a lot of big ideas for somebody who's on the other side of the ocean though I'm just I'm just straight talk like my I'm over here and say that not saying you're wrong I'm saying come over here and say that yeah no um notwithstanding the fact that I'm already working with church communities and organizations in the United States to help bring about this exact thing just because I'm not there doesn't mean I'm not doing my part um 
that being said, um, I was going to say, I remember uh, the importance of, of having community there when you just can't even. Um, I remember this is when my wife and I had been parents for two, three months. And Claire, our daughter, she was beautiful, still is wonderful, beautiful, young, violent lady. Um, but, you know, at the age of three months, she was just a little ball of screaming cuteness. Uh, and one night, uh, someone who shall remain nameless cooked dinner and uh, did not as thoroughly cook the pork which we were eating as ought to have been cooked. Um, come the next morning, both my wife and I were immobilized from food poisoning. Like we could not move from the bed and the baby screaming in the other room and we're like, this is a problem. This is a problem we cannot conquer on our own. We need, <coughs> we need to recover but we can't do that with a baby. So we called the church, nothing doing but to do that. We called the church and said, hey, um, is there anyone who can help? We are not going to survive today if we don't have someone to help us. Yeah. Half an hour later, another family in the church that we knew was at our door. They said, we're coming in, we got the baby. Uh, we'll be back at six tonight. Take a nap, rest, recuperate. Um, because this is like, we talk about not needing to be productivity monsters as Christians. And that's true. What we need to be is community monsters, so to speak. You know, we don't have to be grinding out like the person who's, or worse, the institution that tells you that you have to volunteer for 10 different community uh, committees. You have to show up every single Sunday to church, to usher, to do music, to do all these other things. You have to answer the phones. You got to stuff envelopes. You got to print bulletins. Uh, and if you're not doing all of that stuff every week without fail, then you're a monster who shouldn't even be going to church. Like there are churches out there that promote that. I used to work for. Uh, I once had a church leader uh, tell me, how dare you claim hours worked? You're a pastor. We volunteer on Sundays. You should volunteer too. Um, like setting aside, this is my job for which I get paid. Um, like that belief system that you have to constantly be productive and you have to be uh, contributing all the time, even when you're off, even when you're on, even when you're supposed to be on, you have to be volunteering to be off so that you can generate more money and resources for the institution. That is not a Christian mindset. Everything about our mindset is built on the idea of covenant relationship with each other. And I'm throwing that word out there because I can guarantee you that next week we are getting to chapter 15 of Genesis, which is going to talk about covenant. So epic foreshadowing. But yeah, that's what Christian community is about. Covenant relationships with each other. Ding. Well, this has been a blast, but I think we're just about out of time, aren't we? Yeah, and I think we said all there is to be said on this topic, uh, which basically boils down to, uh, we didn't do a video last week. Uh, if you don't like it, fight me on it because the Bible says cool. Um, and next week- I usually the one yelling, fight me. <laughs> what can I say? I'm a pastor. Yeah, and I'm an angry little disaster by. It's, it's, how, it's how we function or fail to. You know, I, without getting into a whole separate discussion on it, because I could. Um, 
I believe there has been a lack of willingness to be necessarily aggressive and firm uh, in the progressive church over the last hundred years. Um, you know, we've taken a live and let live mentality that has allowed these corrupt, heretical, and frankly, evil variants to grow in out among us. Uh, so I don't know about you. I, for one, am not in a mood to pull my punches when we're talking about stuff like this. I'm not like 30 years I've been living with this parasitic organism of heresies growing into our churches in America and in the world throughout. I'm done with it. I am 100% done with it. And I think that's okay. You've been done for a minute when you started up this whole unfinished deal. Um, I remember telling you at the get-go, you got your freaking work cut out for you. So, you know, more power to you. Yeah. But like, you got to know this is almost doomed to fail. Like you got to, you really got your fucking work cut out for you. Well, you know. But you were determined and I'm like, all right, fine. I, I, I got your back on this. You know, I'll help. I'll help any way that I can because well, I'm, I'm it's worth trying to save the church. Yeah. I think I'm trying to save the world from what the, what people are trying to make the church into. I think it's worth noted that we're walking in the footsteps of a dude who had an impossible task before him of spreading this exact same message of no, stop hurting each other. You're loved. God loves you. Quit being a dick. Like we're walking in the footsteps of the same guy here. The message uh, may have a, a few more English profanities strewn into it that was you know common in the Aramaic speaking ancient Middle East. Uh, but the message is the same. Like, you know, only, only the presentation style has changed. So that being said, we're gonna draw it to a close here for today. Um, I hope you have enjoyed our uh, Back to Basics interlude episode. Um, we will return to our regularly scheduled programming from next week with Genesis chapter 15. Uh, unless, of course, we decide we need to take another break, which I don't think we're going to, but uh, hey. No, I really want to get back on track. Like, yeah. I was bummed that I couldn't do it the last couple of weeks. I was like, I just, I can't. It's a bad idea. Yeah. The like. And I'm, I'm glad we recognize that, but, you know, we, we also do enjoy doing that. So we, I, I mean, I joke about it, but we'll be back to it next week. I, I know yeah. well enough to say that for certain. Uh, in the meantime. Basic, don't tempt fate, but yeah. <laughs> you know what they say. People plan, God laughs. God just I always laughs. hated that. Yeah, no, it, there is a nugget of truth to it, even if it's cynically presented. Yeah. Um, that said, uh, if you are not yet a member of you know, the unfinished community, get on the website, get on the Discord server. We have got a lot of things that are getting ready to pop off. Uh, we've got a Dungeons and Dragons group that's kicking off this Friday. We've got... Um, this is yet to be announced at time of recording, but maybe announced at the time that this is uh, aired. If it's not, I'm just going to have to trust secure in the fact that almost nobody listens to the end of these videos anyway, according to the analytics. Um, but there's gonna be a brand new Bible study uh, that's going to be hosted in conjunction with Unfinished and First Reformed Church of New Brunswick. That's gonna be on Wednesday nights starting uh, in mid-October. Uh, so that will be fun that will be enjoyable. It's going to be called uh, Detoxifying Christianity. We're going to be exploring all of the different verses that have been toxically treated in Christian history, and it's going to be a live on Zoom. Well, actually, it's going to be on Discord, a uh, different Discord server, not our own. Um, but I'm going to be promoting this on our own Discord server as well, because our community is invited to it. So 
you know, that's happening. Um, late October, we're going to be getting a lot more of our local events in Japanese uh, area here uh, going again. Our, we actually have a physical church, where we're going to be starting to do some worship there as well. There are things what are happening. Uh, and I'm sure you like videos because you are still listening to me talk in one or podcasts if you are also still listening to me talk on one. But oh my God, get in the conversation. Uh, and if nothing else, like, share, and subscribe. Oh my actual Jesus, please. That is so helpful. Every time someone shares one of these videos on Facebook, like it really, really helps. Uh, double points if you share the podcast because fewer people are watching that. Hey, I don't want to get this stuff out here. Uh, so please do the sharing and the liking and the subscribing. Comment if you feel so inclined, but just get on the Discord server and come talk to us because we like you. We want to see you and you're awesome. Heck yeah. That all said, have a good, wildly unproductive week. Rest when you can. Rest when you can't. Uh, and we'll see you in the next episode of Back to Basics when we'll be talking about Genesis chapter 15, Abram's wild covenant with God, uh, also known as, uh, shall we say, dude, where's my animal sacrifice? It's trippy. I was going to go with Abram's excellent adventure. Yeah, yeah, I'll go with that as well. Abram's excellent adventure. <laughs> I like that. Um, so yeah, that's going to be next week. We'll see you all then. Have a good week. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye. Bye.